Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Today is going to be more teachy than preachy. I need you to know that. I'm going to give you a lot of notes to take because our job is to make this practical. Like the last thing I want to do is is give you some some good inspiration and not have you apply it on Monday. We say if if you can't apply it on Monday, the Sunday didn't count. And I do believe that with my whole heart. This should this should transform you. It should transform your life. It should transform your your day to day. And so there's going to be a lot of of notes that I'm going to give you along the way as we continue in this series called Make Ready. It was Aristotle who said, "We are what we repeatedly do, that we have habits, we form habits, and then those habits form us. And at the the season of creating new habits, right, that's what we want to do. At the beginning of the year, I've got some new habits, I'm going to put some new disciplines in my, my life. We have big hopes for change, but we bring along with us our bad habits. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Big hopes, for a new year, new you, or big hopes for for things to be better this year than they were last year. But can I tell you something? Hope is a great motivator. It is not a good strategy. I'm gonna say that again. Hope is a great motivator. It's not a good strategy. Like you need hope. I'm all for hope. God's word says a lot about how we are to have, have hope, but hope will get you going. However, it will not keep you going. You need to develop some, some habits. And so that's really what we're talking about, these, these heart habits that put us in a position, right, for God to bless us and for God to, to favor us. And I don't know some of you are thinking, yeah, Kobe, I just don't, can't do it. Like I don't have discipline. I don't have good habits. I've tried everything, but have you tried this, Psalm 119.2, this is our theme verse. It says, blessed and favored. Come on, does anybody wanna be blessed and favored by God this year? By God are those who keep his testimonies and who consistently seek him and long for him with what? Say it out loud, with all their hearts. That's how you're blessed. That's how you are favored if we keep God's testimonies, if we keep a, a pure Heart with all our heart, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with what? Say it out loud. All your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And a lot of us don't have straight paths. We're just kind of wandering all over, all over the place, but he wants to make your path straight. He has a journey marked out for you. And part of my job really is to help you discover that journey. In fact, we talk a lot about it. We talk about how, how this journey God wants to take us on of, of knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose and make a difference, but it all starts with knowing God, having this vibrant relationship with God, not just religion, but with God, finding freedom, settling our yesterdays so that we can move forward in our todays and our tomorrows, right? Getting past our past, that we all have these lenses in our life that we see our lives through based on our experiences. And God wants to settle those. God wants you to know that just because that's what you did, that's not who you are. You're not defined by that. So we get to move forward, right? Find freedom in our lives, discover our purpose and and make a difference. That's the journey that God wants to take us on. And it starts with having these, these heart habits, And one of those we said at the beginning of this series was to seek God first. First things first, God is a God of firsts. It was we give him our first, he blesses the rest. And then we talked about uh, last week kind of unclogging some of our arteries in our heart to help that that flow. Uh, And we talked about habits of prayer 
and of, of worshiping God and of, of, of all the, the, these, these really not self-help habits, but I'd call them God-help habits because we need God to do this. We can't just try really hard. We need God's spirit in us to be able to accomplish this. It was someone who said, like, pray as though it all depends on God, but work as though it all depends on you. Are you with me? So we do all that we can do in the natural and let God take care of the supernatural. That God wants to, to live in our hearts. God wants to empower us from the inside out. And we, we need both of those. We need, we need strategy, but we need God's spirit inside of us is ready. It's how we, we make ready our lives really for this journey that's gonna have resistance along the way because resistance is required for growth. We talked about that. So we're gonna face some, some resistance, but how many of you know most worthwhile changes, most worthwhile new disciplines or habits in our life are found on the road of most resistance, not the path of least resistance. That's been the problem, has it not? Because we're all too often taking the path of, of least resistance. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's hard to wake up early you know, and go to the gym. It's, it's easier to sleep in, are you with me? And so what we need to do is, is understand it takes effort and consistency to make sure our hearts are continually aligned with God. That's what I wanna talk about today. Psalm 119.10 says this, with my whole heart, I have sought you. God, I seek you with my whole heart. That's, that's really our goal, that we would seek God with our whole heart uh, in, in this beginning of this year. I've sought you with my whole heart. Let me not wander, someone say wander, from your commands. Because our hearts are prone to wander. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave this God I love. Our hearts are prone to drift. Our hearts are, are prone to, to stray away from God. So we have to constantly fight against this pull of this drift and wandering away from God. We have to fight to continually be aligned with God. Are you with me? You know what's interesting about being in alignment? Some of you that do the whole chiropractor thing, I went once and he was like talking to me, like he was all nice and really cared about me. And he's just like, what's up, what's up? And then he went crack and cracked my neck. And I'm like, I'm never coming back here again. But those of you that go to the chiropractor, you understand that uh, when it comes to your, your spine being in alignment, you could have something that's called a referred pain. That, that, you know, he'll, he'll, you know, twist your side or something like that. And all of a sudden you feel pain in your ear. It's like, that's not, you know, where my, my pain is, but it's a referred pain. There's a problem, you know, here that is making it an indication somewhere else on your, your body. And that's a lot of our lives that our pain is in one place, but the pain is not your problem. It's not the, the root of the, the issue. It is a reflecting pain. It's, there's something in your life that's out of alignment. And what happens is we, we tend to focus on that thing that's causing us pain. Do we not? That external issue that that's, that's my pain. That's my problem. When in fact, it's just referred pain from somewhere else, a deeper pain that we need to get to the, the root of. And I can't think of anything that is more important that brings definition to our life. Definition to our, our money, our marriage, our, our families, our relationship, our time, our calendar, than to know why you're on this planet. To know your purpose. Because a lot of times we're going after this point of pain and it is a referred 
pain when if we would just run hard after our purpose, run hard after everything God has for us. In fact, that's part of my job because my job is not to solve your problems. My job is not to to fix things in your life. My job is to point you to your purpose. Because how many of you know when you're living for something greater, those pains, those issues, those little problems seem a lot less in our life. And so if we can just learn to live on purpose, like that's really what week three of our crash course is all about. That's today, by the way. So I'd encourage you to stick around if you've been in that crash course journey. We feed you, watch your kids. What happens at 1 p.m. That week three is called Destined for Impact. Helps you, you get connected to, you know, part of the purpose that God has for you because we all have a part to play. But I wanna give you three dangers of a, a wandering heart. In fact, that's my title of today's message, my wandering heart, because our hearts are prone to wander. Here's the first one. A wandering heart lives by default, not by God's design. Just by default. Whatever happens, happens. Colby, but I, I, saw, I saw a quote that said, not all who wander are lost. Well, thank you, Frodo or Gandalf or whoever, some Tolkien kind of thing, right? But if you are, are lost, you certainly are not living out your purpose. You're certainly just living by, by default instead of by, by design. And can I tell you something? Your life will never make sense to you until you aligned your life around your purpose, until you aligned your, your heart in your, uh, around your purpose. Psalm 139, 16, David said this, that all the days that God ordained for my life are written in a book. That there is a story of my life unfolding. And I know some of you are thinking, yeah, Kobe, well, my book, my story is not a bestseller. In fact, my book, you know, I've, I've written a lot of extra chapters. And if you're like me, I've done the same thing. I wrote a lot of extra chapters on the book that God wants to write in and through my life. But how many of you know that if you will come back to God, give your life to him, all those chapters that you wrote in your life, God can still have the last word and God can still make them fit and write something new over your heart. It says they're all written in a book that God knew them before one of them ever came to be. Purpose is huge. So we have to make sure we understand what it is. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. We are God's handiwork, craftsmanship, masterpiece. Uh, Another version uh, says uh, a one-of-a-kind painting. I think that's in the message. Created in Christ Jesus not to just exist, not to just go through the motions, not to work for the weekends, not to work for a vacation, right? Not, Not those things, but to do good works, which God prepared in advance. Somebody say advance, in advance for you. So don't miss this. God made the thing for you to do, then he made you. I'll say it this way. He made the task that he wanted to be completed in and through this earth. And then he specifically designed you for that task, not the other way around. It wasn't like he created you and thought, all right, what can I do with this guy? What can I do with Colby? He's a little crazy. He's got bad knees, Lyme disease, right? He's, he's, his head's pretty round. You know, kind of, what am I going to do with this guy? No. He said, here's what I want to see done on my earth, and here's who I'm going to create to accomplish this specific thing. God created me for it. Now, does that mean everything that's happened in my life has been according to God's plan? No. Because of a thing called sin. Because of my own choices. 
because of a thing called a fallen world, because of a thing called an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy God's purposes and plans for your, your life. So it hasn't been all according to his plan. That's why we need to understand his plan and live by design, not just by default. We have to get to that place where we refuse to say, I'm just gonna let life happen to me. I'm just gonna refuse to wander aimlessly throughout this life. No, I'm gonna run hard after the purposes of God for my life. But a wandering heart lives by default. Here's what number two is. A wandering heart is an easy target. Is that not true? When you wander, when you, you wander aimlessly, how many of you know there is a competition for your time and attention? Everybody wants something from you or out of you. Like everybody has a plan for your life. Capital One has a plan for your life. They wanna know what's in your wallet, right? <laughs> everybody has a plan for your life. And what happens is if you allow someone else to define your life, guess what? They will. They are all too happy to define it for you. I'll say it this way. If you don't decide how you're going to live your life, then someone else will decide. A wandering heart is an easy target. And the danger of allowing someone else to decide how you are going to live your life is you will add things to your life that were never meant to be a part of your life. You'll fill up your life. You'll fill up your schedule. You'll fill up your time with things that, that pull you off of your purpose. And the bottom line is a lot of you, you're just doing too much. You are. You're overwhelmed. You're overworked. You're overloaded. You're buying too much, trying to do too much. We bought into the, the ideology, the American dream that more is better, right? More is better. More is better. If, if $1 is good, $2 is better, if, if one car is good, two cars are better. If one Krispy Kreme donut is good, two Krispy Kremes are an appetizer. It's a warm-up. It's a warm-up, right? If one house is good, two houses are better. One to vacation in. If, if, one, if one wife is good, two wives are wrong. They're wrong. Got you. While we're on it, if one husband is good, two husbands are a headache, a lot of work. We bought into this lie though that more is better. Can I tell you something? More is not better. A lot of times it's just more and an overwhelmed life, I promise you, leads to an overwhelmed soul and an overwhelmed heart. And an overwhelmed heart is prone to wander, prone to drift away. More is not better. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 4, 6, better is one handful, just one. I have two hands, I could carry a lot. But he says, no, I'm just gonna get one handful, but along with that, I'm gonna get some tranquility in my life. That's a great word, isn't it? I'm gonna get some peace, I'm gonna get some tranquility in my life because I'm not constantly grabbing with both hands to see how much I can get, just one handful with some tranquility than having two handfuls, but my life is filled with toil. Wow. My life is filled with, with, with being overwhelmed, chasing after the wind. I'm trying to grab something and grab for things that I could never attain anyway. It's a danger of a wandering heart. Here's number three. A wandering heart loses track of time. If you don't know it already, time is short and time flies, does it not? 
Like the older I get, the more I'm, I'm learning this. My, my son Wade, you know, he just turned 16 and he's driving. I remember when I drove him home from the hospital and now he's driving. In fact, in, in March, he's going to a college preview day. I'm trying to wrap my mind around that, that pretty soon, right? He's gonna be out of the house. Time flies. Did you know that? And it flies on a couple of the different levels. One is it's time for your life is short. Like, hey, you are one day closer to the end of your life today than you were yesterday. Welcome to church. You're like, this is awesome. Why haven't I been coming more? I'm so encouraged and lifted up. But it's true. But it's also short in the sense that I believe we are closer than ever for Jesus to return. And I'm not, you know, predicting the second coming, I'm just saying the Bible has a lot to say about when you see these things happen, get ready. Confusion, confusion is all over the place, right? So I, again, I'm not predicting the future. We can talk more about that later. I'm just saying time is short. I believe that we are living in the, the last of the last days and time is short. And so because of that, I want you to hear my heart on this. We don't have room to live casual, whatever happens, happens, you know, just whatever, you know, decision we want to make, just kind of blowing with the wind kind of lives. We can't live that way. James 4.13 says it this way. Those of you who say today, we're going to do this. Or do that, you know, and tomorrow we'll go to this city or that city, you know, make some, some money. It's just so casual. Continue with business. If anything, the last two years has taught us that we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going to happen, but so many people just kind of live this way when he says this, you're not even promised there'll be a tomorrow. We're not even promised that. Those of you that are, are thinking that, and then he says, what is your life? It's a mist. And the word he uses is vapor. It's like you're, you're boiling water and you see the steam come up and it, it rises up and then it's gone. That's your life. He says, it's a mist. You're here for a little while and then it's over. So instead, he says, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will. Is this his purpose? Is this his plan for me? I have to figure out why I'm on this planet and figure out what God's will is for my life. There's a, a leadership guru by the name of John Maxwell who wrote this little book called Today Matters where he says this, you are living the day right now that matters. Today, you are living in the day right now that, that you will be remembered, that will be remembered forever. So if this is the day, right, that you would, that would, you would be remembered forever by, then how would you live today? Like if this really was the day, if this was your, your last day, right, that everybody was gonna remember you for, how would you live today? He goes on to say that you will never change your life until you change the things that you do every day. And the issue is a lot of us in the new year, we wanna see some big changes in our life. We want things to be different, but we don't wanna do anything different. Are you with me? Like we want change, but we don't wanna do the things that will bring the change. We keep doing what we're doing, getting what we are, are getting. It's a danger of a, a wandering heart. We live by default, we're an easy target. We, we lose track of time. We, we, we aren't keeping what's urgent in mind. So here is how to keep our hearts from wandering. Number one, I told you we got a lot to cover, number one, this has got like 10 points to it, so just buckle up. Number one, choose the important over the urgent. 
I'm kidding, not kidding. I, I will get you out of here on time. You're okay. Choose the important over the urgent. Like you have to decide what's really important. Because if we're honest, a lot of us, our lives have been defined by what's urgent instead of what's important. Defined by someone else or defined by something else or defined by, by rushing off to this, defined by the calendar. And that's, that it's great to have a calendar. We need to have that. But it, isn't it interesting? A lot of us will say something is important, but then our life doesn't reflect the importance of those things. We'll say something is a priority, but then our life doesn't reflect that it is a priority coming to church, you know, getting in a group, studying God's word, praying, you know, all those things we'll say is important but our priorities are out of whack. There was a guy that went to the, watched the Super Bowl game a couple of years ago and he was, had great seats. He's on like the 50 yard line, you know, not that far up, but he noticed right in front of him was an empty seat. Like at the Super Bowl where the tickets are thousands of dollars, like an empty seat right there. And then the third quarter, he finally asked the guy like next to that empty seat. He's like, hey, whose seat is that? You know, why, why is it empty? He's like, well, that was my, my wife's seat and she passed away. And he's like, oh man, I'm really sorry to hear that, but you couldn't find anybody, like relatives, family members to come to the super, that's an expensive seat. He said, no, they're all at the funeral. <laughs> come on, I got you, I got you. Listen, how many of you know that guy's priorities are out of whack, right? We need to make sure if we say it's important, then we reflect that it's important. Philippians 3, 7 says this, whatever was to my profit, whatever I used to think was important, whatever I used to pour all my time and energy into, right? But the longer I live, right, I'm understanding something different. Whatever was to my profit, now I consider loss to the sake of Christ. Like it's way better that I know him and live for him, follow him. What's more, he says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness. He said, if I took my priorities and I measure them, right? All these things that I thought were good, all these things that I thought were a great use of my time, he said, it's, it's nothing compared to knowing God. In fact, it's surpassingly greater. It doesn't even come close. And for a lot of you, the enemy has, has lied to you and said, hey, don't go all in with Jesus. I mean, don't give your life. Like, he, he will love you. Like you will be saved, you'll still get into heaven, you'll still make it into eternity. Like just do this, just kind of squeak by. And, and the enemy will lie to you by using half-truths because it is true. Guess what, God loves you. you. You turn your life to Jesus, you let him be the savior of your life. He loves you unconditionally, but ultimate happiness comes from living a life on purpose and making a difference in the lives of others. And I think God would, would much rather be using you to fulfill his purposes for you than constantly you running to him for repentance. And which is fine. And we need to do that. And it's a beautiful thing in our life. But if it's, oh, forgive me for this again, or I did this again, or I did this again. At some point he's like, hey, I created you to do this. Like live out this purpose in your life. He says his surpassing greatness of knowing Christ for whose sake I gave up all that other stuff. In fact, he goes on to say, you know, looking back on it, it's just garbage. All that, that stuff that I did that I thought was a good time, a good use of my energy was garbage compared to having God in my life. And the only way you'll know if this is true for you is if you try it. 
is if you just go all in. In fact, that's my challenge to you this year. Go all in. I think there are different levels. There's the level of, you know, I'm gonna, I love Jesus. That's one level. Then there's a level of, I'm gonna come to church every time that I can. That's another level. The third level is I'm just all in. God, what do you want from me? I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna give, I'm going to come to church, I'm gonna invite, I'm going to invest. Just go all in. That's when you find the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. Choose what's important over the urgent. Here's the the second thing that we have to do to keep our hearts from wandering. Reflect what's important on your calendar. It's not enough to choose it. It's gotta show up someplace. Are you with me? On paper, on purpose. That's what my wife says all the time. On paper, on purpose. In other words, give calendar time to what matters. Wow, Colby, this is not rocket science. You're right. I never said it would be. I'm, you know, I'm a cookies on the bottom shelf person. Come and get them, all right? Like this isn't rocket science. I get it. I'm just reminding you of some things because it's amazing to me how many people will talk about what matters but it never shows up on their calendar. Hey, if your marriage matters, but it's never on there that you're gonna have a date night, you're gonna invest in your spouse, does it really matter as much as you say it matters? Like if you value it and you say that it matters, it needs to to show up because before everything else starts filling up your calendar, you need to fill it first because it will fill up your calendar. Psalm 90, 12, this is a great prayer uh, to learn. Lord, teach me to number my days. Right there is biblical. Recognize how few they are and help me to spend them like I should, like I'm supposed to. Help me, God, to figure this thing out. Uh, something else John Maxwell taught me is his rule of five. If you're familiar with it, this is a great practice to adopt into your life. But the rule of five simply means there are five things that you need to do every single day. Not all day, just every single day. It's not like you do these things all day long. Even if they take a minute or a couple minutes, you do these five things every single day. He says like getting an ax and you're gonna go chop down a tree. You go one day and you take five whacks at it. Five wax, and then you step away and you come back the next day, pick up the ax, take five wax at it. How many of you know eventually that tree is gonna fall? But a lot of times what we do is like, there's a tree, I gotta chop it down, and you'll just sit there until that, you'll just burn yourself out, get tired. That's why some of you, you know, you started out at the gym this year, you're like, that's my resolution, I'm going to the gym every day. And you went day one, worked out for four and a half hours, got up the next day, couldn't move a muscle, couldn't move an arm, couldn't lift a leg, right? And you haven't gone back since. He said, no, 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 five wax, put it down, come back at it the next day, five more wax. Eventually that thing in your life is going to happen because you've created, right, a habit. The problem is some of us, we have things that we want to see happen, some trees we wanna see fall down that we have not created an activity in our life for it to happen. We have not created a habit in our life. So five, the rule of five, like my five is every single day I'll pray. And even if it's just a sentence or two, pray for my my wife, my kids, I pray for you, pray for this church. I'll read my my Bible, study God's word. I need to get a word from the word. I, I will love those closest to me and be kind. That's part of one of my five. How many of you know kindness is something that we could, all use a little bit more in our life, especially those closest to you. Let me remind you, 
the people that have your last name should be the most important people in your life. No matter what's happened. Like maybe there needs to be some reconciliation going on this year. But I love those closest to me. And then I'll, 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 I'll love my leaders and staff and all those people in my life as well. Make a difference in someone else's life. Which honestly, that's, it's not as difficult as you might think. It's a, it's a five second text. Hey, just wanna encourage you today. And then one of my, my rules of five is I gotta take care of myself because I can't do those other things from an unhealthy place. So I gotta make sure that I'm in a place. You should adopt a rule of five in your life this year. But when it comes to reflecting what's important on your calendar, let me give you three things um, to schedule. Time for renewal, time for relationships, and time for reward. Let's talk about renewal real quick. Because again, some of you, you're working too hard. Some of you, some of you aren't working hard enough. Get back to work. But some of you (laughs) are working too hard. There's some moms, you are doing too much, you are scheduling too much, you're this practice and that practice and running all over the place. There's some, some, some dads in here or some, some men in here. It's just, you know, business, business, business. You're spending 60, 70 hours a week. Like you're working too hard and you need to grab hold of the principle of the Sabbath. Like make it a priority this year. See if it does not change your heart. See if that doesn't, like this is one of those areas you and I need to test God's word in this. That if you will set aside a day, which by the way, you don't Sabbath, you know, um, because you're tired from working for the week. Like you don't rest because you're tired. You rest so that you can be energized for the week ahead. It's just a, a mindset. And we take a Sabbath and God says, if you will work six days and you'll, you'll, you'll take one to refresh and, and relax and, and recover you know, and recuperate and get ready for the week ahead, I will do more through your life with six full days than you can do with seven full days. Are you with me? Like it works for Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> I think this is one of the areas that we've lost. Like, are you taking a Sabbath? Are you taking a day? You set aside time, you're like, God, my, my focus is all on you, just on you. I want you to refresh my heart, my soul for what's in front of me. Paul said it this way, 2 Corinthians, therefore, I don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Maybe that's where some of you are. You've lost heart. You're like, tell me how, Paul. How do I, do I not lose, lose heart? He says, just like you, I'm, I'm outwardly wasting away. Everybody's pulling on me. There's so much going on in my schedule, but inwardly I'm being renewed There's our word day by day. Make time for renewal. Make sure you're being renewed. And then schedule time for relationships. I won't talk about this long, but you know know the old adage, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. The, The second most important decision after surrendering your life to Christ is who are you going to do life with? Because it shapes you. Get in a group. Get in a group. Get around some people that you can do life with together. That's all I'm gonna say about that. And schedule time for reward. Reward. And what I mean by that is time doing things that will bring you heavenly rewards. Making a difference in the lives of others. Using your, your gifts and your skills and your talents to make the impact that God has for you in this world around you. Here's the, here's the third thing I wanna give you. Remove non-essentials. The third way that you and I can keep from uh, having a wandering heart is to remove some non-essentials from our lives. We all have non-essentials in our life. We all have things that honestly, if 
they weren't in our lives, our lives would be a whole heck of a lot better. If we all have things that, that we need to get out of our lives, we got things that, that don't spark joy. Come on, Marie Kondo, you know what I'm talking about. Things are just, they're just pulling you down. It's just a, it's just a weight, it's just a, a distraction. And the secret to eliminating non-essentials in your life is, is to have a, a to-don't list. Not a to-do list, but a to-don't list where you are literally writing some things down that you're not gonna do anymore that are non-essential to making sure your heart is in a position to be aligned with God. Here's, here's what that list looks like in Hebrews 12, one. It says, throw off everything that hinders, everything that, that is a distraction, everything that causes you to be overwhelmed. Get rid of those and the sin that so easily entangles us so that we can run our race, so we can run into this new year freed up, a little bit lighter perhaps than you were before. Run our race with perseverance, the race that has been marked out for us. We got to eliminate some things. And, and Kristen, in my life, what this looks like is even with our boys, we say, hey, you get to play one sport at a time. It's not all this other stuff because that doesn't define us. That doesn't dictate our schedule. In fact, during our 21 days of prayer and fasting on Wednesday nights, they all had soccer. They all had practice. You know what? We didn't go. We came here to pray, to worship, to take communion together because we love soccer, we love Jesus more. So eliminate some non-essentials. Are you with me? Some, they're not bad things, but they might be things that are keeping you from the best thing. And here's the last one. After we've done all this, choose the important over the urgent. Make sure they show up on your calendar. Remove non-essentials. Number four, we need to take inventory often, often. Wouldn't it be a good use of your day and time right now if you were just to stop and ask yourself, God, where in my heart am I wandering? Where in my heart am I being pulled? Am I drifting from, from the things that you have for me, from my purposes, from my plan? Where are the things in my life that I thought was the point of my pain, but honestly, it just points to a different problem altogether. That I'm not aligned with you, that my heart is, is wandering away from you. This is what David said in Psalm 39. He said, Lord, remind me. And honestly, again, nothing I've given you this morning is, is rocket science. All this is like, Coley, this is kind of obvious. Yeah, I'm, I'm just reminding you. I'm reminding you of some things. I think we need to take time at the beginning of the year to be reminded about some stuff that my life is brief. My time is short, my days are numbered, my life is, is, is fleeting away, he says. My life is nothing longer than a, a hand breath, like a, the width of my hand. That's what he's saying is how short our life is. And we just need to be reminded of that. That one moment to you, that a lifetime is a moment to you, it's just a, a breath. So Lord, let me make sure my life is aligned with you. I need to take inventory every single day. First John three nineteen. it won't be up here, but listen to what God's word says. It says this, that this is how we know we belong to the truth and that we set our hearts at rest in his presence. And then he says this, if our heart condemns us, our God is greater than our hearts. Here's the good news about all this today. 
when our hearts want to wander, just can I remind somebody here, God knows your heart. God knows the thing that keeps you up at night. God knows the shame or the guilt that you carry. God knows the story that you won't share with those closest to you. God knows your heart. And we're all prone to this this wandering away from God. Wandering from his plan and purpose for our life, but it's only when we come before him humbly and say, God created me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. It's only when we take a moment to do that. And that's what I want us to do right now. If you just stand to your feet. And again, we're gonna worship through this. I just believe that God wants us to take a moment to take some inventory of our lives. If you just bow your head and close your eyes. God, I pray right now that as we really lean in, not not getting ready to go, because I believe this is a holy moment for you to speak to us, God, that we should take some inventory of where we are. The things that have caused us to wander from you and stray from you, God, and are pulling us off track, that make us an easy target for the enemy, that, that fill our lives with things that really aren't that important after all. We want to know what the surpassing greatness is of really knowing you and being known by you completely from the inside out. And even though we're all living this this push-pull dynamic in our world, God, where we constantly feel like maybe we're being pulled away from you, how much more important then is it for us to take a, a chance like this to put our lives squarely at the center of your plan and your will for us. So God, would you speak to us right now? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it. So please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.